0: Welcome to the podcast of Vineyard Church Cardiff. We are a multi-site church longing for God's kingdom to come in order to restore the city and renew the nation of Wales. During the coronavirus outbreak, we are not meeting on a Sunday, but you can stay connected with us on YouTube, Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Vineyard Church Cardiff. Each Sunday, we will be streaming a full-length service and providing resources for the kids, and across the week, we're putting up loads of content. You can find out more on our social media or at cardiffvineyard.org forward slash online church. Here's this week's talk from our senior pastor, James Rankin.
1: I'm going to jump straight in today with a story. About 20 years ago, I was over in South Africa working with the church for four months, and... While I was out there, I thought, you know what, this is a good opportunity to learn to surf. Now, partly it might be that I'm a bit nesh, and I thought, well, it's a bit cold here, surfing. So, started going with my friend, Aid, who I was there with, and we went to Musenberg, which was where they kind of got the little waves, the one to two feet waves, and, and we started there. And I was pretty rubbish at surfing, still am, if I'm honest. Anyway... A couple of months after having been there, this guy called Dieter came up now, a proper surfer, and he's like, Hey, I wanna take you out. So me and I were like, Okay, so we went with him. And I remember getting to this new beach that we'd never been to before and standing, looking at the sea, thinking, Okay, these waves are different level. And for the surfers amongst you, I think they were about six or seven foot. I can remember just watching these waves, thinking this is a terrible idea. This is just a stupid idea. Anyway, Dita was really encouraging and being the shallow man that I am, I was peer pressured into it. And so I got in and watched Dita like a seal take off through the waves. And me, not so much. Anyway, I'm I'm beginning to go through the waves and it took me about 45 minutes to get through the back line because I just kept getting pounded by the waves as I was going in. So I managed to get all the way out there absolutely exhausted. And I turn around and there's this huge wave, which would have been perfect if I'd have been any good at surfing. I would have literally nailed this wave, but I wasn't. And I looked at it and I just knew it was going to land right, literally perfectly on top of me. And it crashed down on me. And I remember just going down, not knowing which way is up, which way is down. And they they say, you have to just wait in those moments. Don't fight it, just wait until your natural buoyancy takes over. So the most unnatural thing ever. Anyway, eventually come up, <gasps> grab this huge breath and get smashed but literally by the next wave. Anyway, I was probably only in the these waves for about 3 or 4 minutes. It felt like a lifetime. And do you know what? It was a really really scary experience. After that, I just went straight and I was like, I am I am not going to do this again. And even to this day I'm I'm a little bit scared or or respectful of the sea. Now, I don't know how you think about this but I feel as as a nation and indeed even the world it feels like we're in the middle of being caught by this set of waves so it's almost like one wave comes in and then you know you come back up for a breath it's like bang the next the next wave comes in and I think that's you know talking to people both inside and outside of the church that's what it feels like to a lot of people right now it's caught in the eye of the storm and COVID-19 coronavirus keeps on going and, you know, I don't know what day of lockdown we're in now, but it feels a long way in, causing havoc in the economy, in, in people's health, in people's mental health. Making relationships is, is hard at the moment, isn't it? It's like, well, how do we do relationships like this? So much uncertainty. People are tired and people are fatigued they're they're emotional, they're burdened, they're anxious, just all of these deep, deep emotions around uncertainty coming to the surface. So the world is in the midst of a storm. And I know it's very, very different for each one of us. So many different people watching this, and we will have all had a different experience of this moment. And some are much, much tougher than others. But all of us will have experienced some level of discomfort and change and so as I've been thinking about today with my talk I've been thinking about what what would Jesus say into this moment how would he view this how can the words of scripture anchor us and guide us in this moment and I believe that the Lord would want to say to us as a community and his people I want you to take your stand and that's why I've called this series that we're going to be in for the next two weeks, Take Your Stand. And when I pictured this in my mind's eye a couple of weeks ago, I was originally just going to be preaching straight through James. But the Lord kind of broke in and was like, no, no, no I want you to address this. The, the image that I get is of a person standing with each leg standing for something different. One of them is anchored in prayer and the other is in compassion. And the the person's kind of leaning forwards. It's a bit like when the waves come in, they brace their legs and they're standing. It's kind of this moment where you're braced, you know that the storm's going on around you, and you're braced to be hit by the next thing, but you're ready. And you're taking your stand. And this, this phrase is taken straight from Ephesians 6, take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, Really excited to be looking at Ephesians 6. So grab your Bibles, um, chapter 6, verses 10 to 18 today. But these words are, are of strength and encouragement in a, in a time like this. The, these words are written, written by Paul while he's in prison. So he is in the ultimate lockdown moment. His freedoms have been taken away and he's praising God in the midst of his really challenging dire circumstances and sometimes I think we can be thinking, oh, you know, Paul's having this mountaintop experience and, you know, he doesn't really understand what it's like for me. In this moment, we know that Paul is in the valley. He know We know he's not on the mountaintop looking down. Everything's really, really challenging, but he is choosing, despite of his circumstances, to praise God. And he's given us a little bit of a roadmap as a people as to what that looks like as well. So I think that these words carry incredible weight to us now that they're weighty and they're timely. And I love how they start. It says this, finally. This is the final chapter of Paul's letters, the Ephesians to Ephesus. And finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Notice it's strong in the Lord, not in ourselves. And he's saying in this moment, he's like, I want you to strengthen yourself in me. And then Paul goes on to to show us, well, what does that look like? How do I be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power? He says this, put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, Paul uses a military metaphor in this moment. and And I believe that he's trying to say this is the only metaphor that gets across the seriousness The real nature of what it means to live a Christian life in a way that you won't be defeated. Verse 12, we'll just pick it up. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I mean, that's quite a sweep of different things that he's talking about there. Therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Firstly, we are called to stand firm in the battle. As we read this text, we find that this word stand is mentioned four times in five verses. Verse 11, put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Then down into the Verse 13, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand, verse 14, stand firm then. So what Paul is trying to communicate to us is that standing, taking a stand, standing firm is an essential prerequisite to successfully doing battle against the devil and his lies. To do battle with Satan, you as a Christian and we as a church must be able to stand, to take a stand, to withstand So this word stand is key to this whole section of scripture. Now, Watchman Nee, uh, who is a Chinese Christian leader in the first half of this century, he divided up the book of Ephesians into three sections. He said, Ephesians 1 to 3 is sit. Ephesians 4 to 5 is walk. And Ephesians 6 is this exhortation to stand, sit, you know, 1 to 3. We are seated with Christ tells us about our position with Jesus, about our identity with him. Four to five tells us how to walk, how to live, therefore, based on the position that we have with Jesus. And then Ephesians 6, 10 and forwards, as it speaks about spiritual warfare, it calls us to stand. Stand, therefore, learn to take a stand. Now, what I want to communicate today is that spiritual warfare is in large part getting hold of this principle of standing, Spiritual warfare, in other words, is largely a matter of resistance, of holding your ground, of being willing to push back when you're pushed. The book of James says, James 4 verse 7, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says a similar thing, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So Paul uses the word stand, and it's precisely this that we often don't do. We retreat, we run away, we give ground, we compromise, we waffle, we, we look for the escape hatch. And when things get difficult, we, we run for the door, we, we rationalise, we, we roll over, we try to mix God's will and what Satan's suggesting. We do everything other than simply stand. Stand, therefore. And you say, well, what does it mean to stand or to take a stand, to stand there, having done all to stand? What does that mean? So coming back to this idea of standing firm in the battle, I think lots of people without faith right now are feeling incredibly lost because many of their dreams have come crashing down the plans that they have constructed for their lives have been completely derailed. And that's not just true for people without faith. That is also people with faith as well, as Christians, that life looks very different to the way that we thought. But I think there's a major difference. And the major difference is this. It's our worldview. Now, if you're a Christian, I'm not saying these things being taken away is easy. In fact, it's incredibly difficult if we've been thinking we're going in one direction and then suddenly that's being ripped away But our worldview does help us to make sense of what's going on. The Bible teaches us that there's a war going on, a war between good and evil, between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. And whether we like it or not, whether we want to be a conscientious objector, there is a war going on right now. And it's become really, really obvious to us. The truth is, it's always been going on. But for so, so many of us, we've we've been blind to it. There's this war going on and we've been living like it's peacetime. It's like, no, it's war. And so suddenly the situation and we're very, very aware of the time that we're in right now. And as followers of Jesus, we have been drafted to fight on behalf of Christ Jesus. We've got the kingdom of God where God is in charge, where he rules and reigns. And we've got the kingdom of darkness where Satan is in charge and where his will where what he wants is done, where Satan is prowling around. Now, in 1 Timothy 6, verse 12, it says this fight the good fight of the faith. And I think that one of our great problems as the people of God has been the lie that once I become a Christian, if I do the right things, then my life will be easy. I will prosper. My kids will never get into trouble. My family will do well. I will get the promotion that I want to. And I think the problem is that there's, there's an utter lack of awareness of supernatural evil. You know, as, as we read this passage, suddenly it's like, oh, wow, there is this cosmic, this massive spiritual battle going on around us. And there is a, an intense darkness that it talks about. It uses this word evil. Um, and this awareness of evil in, in our workplaces, in our schools, Uh, in our families in the criminal justice system you know what we've been talking about recently just with systemic racism as well there is evil there are there are dark things all around us and there's a war going on and the apostle paul's statements in ephesians 6 10 to 14 are bracing truths for us and they're almost a bit of a wake-up call And Paul calls us back to the real world, away from our illusions, a world in which there's this war going on between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And, you know, that looks like so many different things. It's it's attitudes, it's philosophies, it's mindset, it's grooved out patterns that are aligned with the dark side. There's a war going on and it's not strange or extraordinary that life is hard, that it's hard for me, that it's hard for you. I've been really struck by a story in Two Kings. I've been reading through the Action Bible with my my girls in the mornings. And there's this passage in Two Kings 6, 8 to 23, and it's with Elisha. And so you've got the king of Aram, and he's plotting against Israel and King Joram. And he's been plotting against him, about ambushing him, trying to capture him, trying to kill him. And Elisha keeps warning king Joram about where not to go he's like you're, you're about to be ambushed don't go there and so he keeps frustrating the plans of the enemy the whole time anyway it reaches the point where the Aramaeans realize that Elisha is getting in the way and so rather than trying to go after the king they start going after Elisha they're like we've got to go to the root of our problem it's Elisha that's the problem and so we pick up up it, it in verse 15 and it says when the servant of of the man of God, got up and went out early the next morning. An army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. They're after Elisha. They're trying to kill him. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The Action Bible calls the story the invisible army. And what I love is Elisha's confidence in his moment. He's just like, oh Lord, would you open the eyes of my servant in order that he can see what I see? That there's this army supporting me, he just can't see it. And I think this is such a, A helpful picture for me in prayer, as I think about the heavenly armies and I think about what's going on, this battle that's going on, that there's this heavenly army that have been engaged in the fight. And when I'm praying, I'm a part of what's going on in the kingdom of God. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So just coming back a moment, as we think about this battle that we're involved in, the question that I got is, What is it that you are fighting for right now? What is it that you're fighting for right now? So coming back to that analogy that I used in the beginning, we're in this battle and the waves are crashing in. What is it that we're standing for? What is it that we're praying for? What is it that we're interceding for? And just to go, well, we're not fighting for the victory because Jesus has already won the victory. You know, that happened through his death and resurrection. The victory's already been won. So we're not fighting for victory. But we're not not fighting for the economy because our life is not rooted in the things of this world. So coming back to this, what is it that you're fighting for? I think this is a really, really important question. What is it that you're fighting for right now? I believe that we're fighting for the glory of the king. We're fighting for... God's kingdom to break in. What does the kingdom look like? Well, it's faith, hope, love, justice, mercy, his spirit. It's all of these things of the kingdom of God. It's many things but all of them are rooted in God, in his goodness, in his majesty, in his presence. So so we're called to take our stand against the devil's schemes. And I think that looks like being a stronghold of the Holy Spirit. Our goal is not just survival in this moment. It's not just to kind of batten down the hatches and be like, well, this is really difficult, you know, and cling on for dear life. Yeah, there are times when we have to do that. There are times of survival. I, I do believe that. But I think the Lord is calling us into more than just survival. He's calling us into taking our stand and he's calling us into being strongholds of the Holy Spirit. A stronghold, the definition is this, it is a place that has been fortified so as to protect it against attack. So that's a brilliant image coming back to this picture of the armour of God, that is strengthening us in order that we can stand on behalf of the things of God. We we put on the armour of God in order that we could be a stronghold, to be strongholds of encouragement, of a prophetic voice in our time, to be presence carriers, life bringers, hope givers, all of these things. It's a bigger call. And the the vision's so extensive to bring in the kingdom of God. And we become strongholds by putting on our armour the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. And it, it lists these six things, each of which I could spend a whole sermon on. But I wanted to focus on in on verse 18 in finishing, and I wanted to talk about warfare prayer. Ephesians 6 verse 18 says this, "And pray praying the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So the last weapon that the Apostle Paul mentions is prayer. And he goes, pray in the spirit on all occasions. So we should pray all of the time. And then Paul says we should pray with all kinds of prayers. That means Prayers with other people, public prayers, private prayers, sad prayers, happy prayers, short prayers, long prayers, formal prayers, informal prayers. Pray all of the time with all kinds of the prayers. We're we're told to be alert and always keep on praying. So this this picture of being alert is to realise the battle that we're in, to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, and to keep on keeping on. Don't give up. Never quit on prayer, never throw in the towel and say prayer is useless. Even when we feel frustrated, take that picture from Elisha and realise that oftentimes we cannot see what the Lord is doing, but the heavenly host are positioned all around us. And the fourth all is always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray for everyone, most especially pray for our Christian brothers and sisters in the church and around the world. Pray all of the time with all kinds of prayers, always for the Lord's people. Now, as the great Bible teacher John Stott put it, these four "alls" are precisely what most Christians don't do in our prayers. Most Christians pray sometimes with some prayers and some perseverance. With some of God's people, we replace the, war, the word "all" with "some." To pray on all occasions means that we don't need a special place to pray. To pray, it's fine to have a preferred place to go to, and in fact, incredibly helpful. I I love going to the same place, but it's it's more than that. We don't need that in order to pray. I asked a number of wise people this week um, about what their advice would be to somebody who was like, you know, I wanna grow, they come up to you and they're like, I wanna grow in prayer, what do I do? And, you know, one of the obvious answers would be, well, take the Lord's Prayer and break it down. That, that's true. But the advice that they actually gave was this. The first one is learn to be thankful. Learn to be able to praise God for the things going in your, in, in your life. So if you're struggling to pray right now and you're a bit like, oh, do you know what? My prayer life is limited. Let's put it like that. Why don't you just start with praise, you know, thankfulness? It's just like, Lord, I want to thank you for this. I want to thank you for this situation. I want to thank you for a house over my head. And as you begin to push into thankfulness and praise then suddenly we go beyond of the, those things into the other areas as well so that was the first one learn to be thankful because that can kick start your prayer life and then the second was this know yourself I've felt incredibly burdened to pray over the last two weeks um, for me I've talked about this before up and down a bit all over the place during this period as most of us are so a couple of weeks ago, I reached the point where I was just like, oh, I, I'm missing st- kind of structural prayer. Like I just, my, my rhythms have gone a bit out of the window. And so I, I realised that as a moment of, well, wow, OK, I'm not doing too well. One of the kickstarters for me of my prayer life is always fasting. I find that fasting and prayer are quite closely aligned. And if I want to push into prayer, often I push into fasting and the two kind of happen together. Uh, it it creates a hunger in me for the things I've got so I've really pushed into that over these last couple of weeks but what is it for you to know yourself I was uh, talking with Dave Kemp our our kids and and youth pastor and he was just talking about he's got a he loves spontaneity and he loves to pray in different ways and so he's written down a whole load of different ways to pray and so he goes into a jar and picks out three each uh, each time I was like oh wow knowing himself he's like he doesn't like to do the same thing every day and so it's knowing it's like i want to push into prayer but it's got to look different um i love this quote by the great baptist preacher charles spurgeon and he says this we should pray when we're in a praying mood for it would be sinful to neglect so fair an opportunity we should pray when we're not in a praying mood for it would be dangerous to remain in so unhealthy a condition so pray on all occasions pray when you feel like it Pray when you don't. Pray at set times and pray throughout the day. And there's another quote um, by Charles Spurgeon that I wanted to read to you as well. I found this really helpful. He says this, Never give up praying. Not even though Satan should suggest to you that it's in vain for you to cry unto God. Pray in his teeth. Pray without ceasing. For if for a while the heavens are as brass and your prayer only echoes in thunder above your head, pray on. If month after month your prayer appears to have miscarried and no reply has been vouchsafed to you, yet still continue to draw near unto the Lord, do not abandon the mercy seat for any reason whatsoever. If it be a good thing that you've been asking for and if you're sure it's according to the divine will, if the vision tarry, wait for it, pray, weep, entreat, wrestle, agonise until you get what you're praying for. If your heart be cold in prayer, do not restrain prayer until your heart warms. But pray your soul unto heat by the help of the ever-blessed spirit who helps us in our infirmities. Never cease prayer for any sort of reason or argument. Never, never, never renounce the habit of prayer or your confidence in its power. Isn't that amazing? But pray your soul unto heat. It's like, Lord, I want to be set on fire for the things of you. We're entering into a prayer week as a church where we, we're just like, what do we need to do in this moment? We need to pray together. And it would be easy just to kind of let it pass you by, to leave it to the intercessors and go, oh, do you know what? There's some intercessors that love to pray. It's their thing. In my mind, it completely misses the point. As God's people, we're called to pray. To pray that God would set us on fire, to be this stronghold of the Holy Spirit. And I want you just leave you with that kind of image of you being a stronghold of the Holy Spirit and what that would bring into kind of the the families that you're in the communities that you're in just to stand firm to take your stand so so in finishing stand firm in the battle live as a stronghold of the Holy Spirit and lean into warfare prayer I just want to pray in finishing Lord, as we step into prayer week. Lord, I want to be on board with what you're doing. Lord, I want to see what you're doing. Lord, would you open our eyes to see if any of you are just sitting there and you're just like, do you know what? My prayer life is a bit rubbish right now. Why don't you just take a moment and you're just like, Lord, I put this before you. I put my time with you before you and I say, set me on fire right now just ask for an encounter of the Holy Spirit and just say Lord I, I want a vision for more than just me I want to be this stronghold of the Holy Spirit in my community To so just ask for it set me on fire Lord I just believe it's a prayer that as Christians we, we all pray it's like Lord I need more of you set me on fire in Jesus name amen
0: Thanks so much for joining us. Remember you can tune in to our YouTube channel on Sundays from 10.30 for our online church or connect with us through Facebook and Instagram to hear from us throughout the week. We would love to help you find out more about Jesus or grow in your faith. So if you have any questions, get in touch on social media or email info at cardiffvineyard.org. If you're local to Cardiff we would love for you to get involved in a small group which is just a small group of people meeting throughout the week across the city. Of course meeting online at the moment. They are the heartbeat of this church and now more than ever at this time of social distancing they are so important for you to stay connected to church and grow in your faith. Head to our website cardiffvineyard.org and hit the small groups tab at the top of the page to find out more. If you're listening from further afield, thanks so much for tuning in. We're really glad you're here. But we would also love to help you get connected with a local church where you are. So email us at info at and we would love to help. Thanks again for tuning in this week. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.